אזרחי ישראל, אנחנו במלחמה. לא במבצע, לא בסבבים, במלחמה. הבוקר חמאס פתח במתקפת פתע רצחנית נגד מדינת ישראל ונגד אזרחיה. You are listening to the sounds of Hamas carrying out a terrorist attack on the state of Israel and the voice of Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. Mm. We, uh, we're all shocked, but really, should we be surprised? I mean, we're in the end time, people. See, this was one of the problems that we had uh, in the, before 2020. We were so at ease and everything felt good and everything felt great. And we were enjoying our peaceful lives. And then 2020 came, supposed to be the, uh, the year and the decade of fresh vision. Well, I think really our eyes opened up to Hey, the Bible is still real. It's still true. God is still coming back. And preceding his coming, there would be things that would happen, such as famines, pestilence, wars, rumors of wars, nation rising against nation. And yes, a lot of prophecies surrounding the rebirth of Israel and the controversy and conflict and chaos and war They would come because of that. So here you have it. This past Saturday, this past Saturday, October 7, 2023, many in Israel were celebrating their 50th anniversary of their win, victorious, supernatural win with the help of God, their Yom Kippur War that they won in 1973, celebrating that day there in southern Israel. Big, large festival, a lot of other things going on, and Hamas, the terrorist group basing out of Palestine, started firing rockets, bulldozed through the wall, the barrier, gunmen invaded, filled into that festival in the neighborhoods, began shooting, executing. They came in through the land. They also came in through the sky. They had paratroopers coming down, and yes, they came in by sea. As of this recording, over a thousand, about 1,200, were killed by Hamas throughout these terrorist attacks. I think around 25 of which are Americans. They went after the elderly. They went after the young, slaughtered them, drug their bodies through Gaza, celebrating, beheaded many of them, including of which were children, infant babies. Yeah, it's real. It happened in our day and in our lifetime. We thought the world was civil. So you just assume that everybody is going to get along. But not so. We're seeing it now. There is a great divide and a battle between civilization and barbarianism. That is what is happening here. And obviously, it's a holy war. It's about who is God. So many wars for centuries have been about land, been about political power. But in the last days, you're going to see more and more rising, not over land, not over oil, not over wealth or power or whatever. It's all going to be about who is God, whose book is the 
book of God, whose land is the land of God. That is what is going on here. They're fighting in the name of Allah to do the work of Allah. So where has Israel been in all of this? I think Israel was put at ease. I think it has been divided politically. And I think they have been very distracted. But this attack, I think, has done something to the Jewish state. It has awoken not a sleeping giant, but a sleeping Samson. And I think a lot of Israelis have realized they got too comfortable with their enemies. And it opened a door for the enemy to come on in. I don't know how their enemies have felt so emboldened in this season and time. Could be perhaps because they perceive that a lot of the mighty nations throughout the earth have elected weak leaders and it's time to just walk on in and do as you please. You know, Russia invades Ukraine. We've been talking about this. Everybody's been talking about this. This domino effect of uh, perhaps Iran through proxies would invade Israel and, and China would invade Taiwan. North Korea would invade South Korea. All of these things. Shocking when it happens, not surprising. We've been feeling it. We've been sensing it's coming. And we're here today to talk about what to do about it, what to know about it, and ultimately how it can drive you into a deeper level of spirituality. The Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. Take God's love to another level in your life by giving to the ministry of this podcast. Give an offering through Cash App, PayPal, or Venmo at Justin C. Gleason. Thanks and be blessed. See, Jesus said that these horrific things are going to happen and it's going to cause many hearts to fail with fear. But he told us, don't, don't let your heart fail with fear. Don't become faint. Don't be weary in well-doing, but look up. Keep your heads up in heaven for your redemption draws nigh. The more and more you see Bible prophecy being fulfilled, it is a sign to all of us that a good thing is coming. But to everyone else, it is a terror to look upon the things that are happening to this earth. So I tell you where my mind uh, went after I uh, processed what I was seeing when I woke up Saturday morning. After I had prayed, after I had meditated, after I had, I, I don't know, I guess just uh, made my own temporary peace with what I was seeing. Because, you know, if you're not careful, your emotions can get you carried away. You got to think, <laughs> you got you to gotta react properly and have wisdom and all of those things. But I thought, goodness gracious, goodness gracious, now I know why I canceled my Israel trip. You remember that? I've canceled two of them now, one because of COVID restrictions, and then we found out, you know, there there was a conflict uh, last year, I think around uh, mid to late spring, Gaza was shooting rockets into Israel again, or back then, now they're doing it again. So yeah, we were supposed to have an Israel trip scheduled uh, uh, around the fall of 2022, then we rescheduled it for the fall of 2023. 2022, we canceled because of the COVID vaccine things and other concerns. And then uh, 2023, we canceled simply because, uh, well, there was a couple things going on there. But uh, ultimately, I just didn't have a good feeling about it. Now, we know why. War. 
big war, huge war. I mean, Israel's calling this their 9-11. They are saying that nothing like this has happened to the Jewish people since the Holocaust. I mean, this is horrible. And I can't even imagine trying to uh, get ready for a trip knowing all that's going on there. Although I know of some people that are over there right now. I've been watching them on social media. So I, you know, whatever, it's your life. Do as you please. Go where you want to go. But for me, I'd prefer to stay out of war zones, okay? Especially terrorists' war zones. But I tell you what, I've been fighting with Israel. No, not with uh, not with a gun, not with a knife, none of that. Not with my own rockets. I've been fighting with them with my prayers. I've had Israel in my prayers. I've asked God to protect them, to watch over them. You know, I think even like nature knows what's going on over there. Every picture I have seen of Israel and Gaza, all of this, look in the sky. It's not a pretty sky. You know what's there? A storm. It's like the clouds are behaving in, in unusual ways. It just looks really creepy and eerie. And I just see it. I feel it. I know what's going on there. It is the work of Satan to try to, try to destroy what God is building up. To try to destroy what the prophets foresaw would happen and to ultimately make God a liar. This whole Israel and Gaza conflict, it's spiritual and it goes back long before what we're seeing here in 2023. I've always been interested in Israel. You know, I read about Israel in the Bible when I was a kid. Uh, preachers would preach about the Jews you know, and say things like Israel is God's uh, a spiritual time clock, you know, whatever's happening in, in Israel and the natural that is going on in the spirit world, you know, right? So I've always believed those things. It's always kind of fascinated me, interested me. You know, they're part of the Bible. If it weren't for Israel, we wouldn't have no Jesus. If we didn't have no Jesus, we would have no church. You know, things like that. I believe we've been engrafted uh, into Israel, Paul taught. He also said concerning the Gospels, yes, they're the enemies for your sake, but concerning the election, they're beloved. So you know, we have a connection to uh, Israel. And I just believe that the hand of God is upon them and going to fulfill a great purpose in them. But I'd say I've, I, I learned this through my own observation and experience, just how spiritual it is, uh, these attacks on Israel. So uh, there's a highway that I sometimes travel on to get down to Branson, Missouri, <laughs> Highway 13. And one, uh, this I don't know, about five, six, seven years ago, there was some kind of conflict going on in Israel with Palestine. I, can, I mean, there always is, but I can't remember what it was about, what was going on there. I, th I think uh, Obama might have been president. I forget. I'm driving down 13, and I look, and off in a cornfield there, off of the highway, there is a big uh, semi-truck, like an 18-wheeler, just huge, sitting there in the field. It has been painted yellow, and in black letters is written on there, Israel is a cancer. They are occupying Palestine illegally, and a whole bunch of other horrible, despicable things about Israel, painted right there on that semi. And I, I, <laughs> I was like, wow, Missouri, it's not as red state as we thought it was, right? But I just, I was so uh, disturbed by that. And I put a curse 
on that semi. Can't go into all the details, but essentially I said, you have cursed Israel. May the curse of God come upon you now. And so I kept on driving. We went down to Branson, went and saw shows, went and ate a lot of nice food, had a good time. And on the way back home, I looked off into that field and guess what had been burnt to a crisp, scorched earth, that semi and a lot of that cornfield around it. <laughs> I didn't do it. I didn't order the burning of that. I just put a curse on it and boom, it burnt. Could that be a coincidence? I don't think so. I don't think so. I'll tell you what happened there. The spirit world was grieved at that. And God sent a supernatural fire to take out that hideous sign and that ungodly demonic message. Israel is not a cancer. The Middle East, all of that area, the ancient, what they call Palestine, has, has never been more fertile, has never been more lush than it is right now. Used to be a wasteland, but Israel came in there and the land is now blossoming. There's a great economy there. There's a lot of opportunity there. The Jews have taken the state of Israel and made it just a a great place for, for uh, people to live in and enjoy and have family and opportunity, things like that. It's not cancer. Israel's not killing anything. If anything, Israel has brought has brought life. It has brought life. That's what they have done, so... The Justin C. Gleason Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and more. Press follow and become a loyal listener. Give a five-star rating and write a great review. You can also get more content from me at the Life Church KC Podcast. You're here to listen, and I'm here to talk. There's a lot in Bible prophecy about Israel and Gaza. I, to my shock, there are people out there that claim to be oneness Pentecostal that actually support Palestine. <laughs> and I'm not going to argue with them. I, I, there's more important things to focus on than, than to do than to fight for Israel. Israel can defend itself, but I don't know. I, I, I just, at best case scenario, people just don't understand. You know, they, they have a liberal mindset. They're wanting to align with their... Uh, uh, socialistic democratic parties or whatever and they just believe that the bigger guy is always the bad guy hate the rich the poor the rich are bad the poor are good you know black lives matter is kind of that way they've aligned with palestine that that uh communist idea and so they view these poor little palestinians these hamas people as freedom fighters fighting for their freedom and in order to gain their freedom they have to strike fear into the into the hearts of their enemies so they're i guess they're fighting for justice right well you take a closer look at it you realize uh, the palestinians are racists hamas extremely racists it's all about race and or and, and religion and things like that they're full of hate always been full of hate and they they don't want to dwell in peace they don't want to negotiate none of that so instead of focusing on what your political party is saying, what your news is saying, why don't you open up your Bible and see what your Bible says and what God thinks about the whole thing. So there are prophecies directly about Gaza. Yeah, not, not about here in Kansas City or St. Louis or Chicago or, or Dallas or Los Angeles. 
or Homosassa Springs or wherever you may be from, you look in your Bible, there are prophecies about cities in the Bible that are there in the land of Israel and nations surrounding them. If, and, and it's uh, prophecies against these nations. For instance, Ezekiel 25, the prophet said, Thus saith the Lord God, because the Philistines dealt vengefully and took vengeance with a spiteful heart to destroy because of the old hatred. How about that? Therefore, says the Lord God, I will stretch out my hand against the Philistines and will cut off the Cherethites and destroy the remnant of the seacoast. I will execute great vengeance on them with furious rebukes, and they shall know that I am the Lord when I lay my vengeance upon them. How about that? Okay. All right. All right. There's a lot, but let's just do one more. Amos chapter one. Thus says the Lord for three transgressions of Gaza and for four, I will turn away its punishment because they took captive the whole captivity to deliver them up to Edom, deliver them up to Edom. But I will send a fire upon the wall of Gaza, which shall devour its palaces I will cut off the inhabitant from Ashdod and the one who holds the scepter of Ashkelon. I will turn my hand against Ekron and the remnant of the Philistines shall perish, says the Lord God. Hmm. Not a whole lot of uh, prophecy of blessings and, and, and prosperity there for Gaza and for the Philistines. Uh, uh, by the way, when you say Palestine, you're, you're saying the word Philistine. That's what the Romans did when they came and uh, and conquered, exiled, and uh, just drove the Jews out of their land and took it for themselves as a way to disconnect the Jews from their homeland. They renamed it Palestine or Philistine to give it that name of their ancient enemy, the Philistines. They wanted to break that Hebrew connection to that land that God had sworn, yes, sworn to their forefathers, their patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So, it's, so when you read about these Philistines, that's who it's talking about. The descendants or the remnants or the offspring, the future generations of the Philistines. They are not promised that land. They are not promised victory. They are not promised prosperity. But the, the Lord knew it. They would be full of hate. They would be full of vengeance. They'd be full of pride. And he's going to cut them off one day. That's what Ezekiel saw. And Amos saw something that is very specific, that the day would come when fire would be sent upon the walls of Gaza, or like their protected spaces, their barriers, and their palaces would be devoured. What is going on right now? The campuses, the buildings, the structures, and yes, all those little underground tunnels that they've been sneaking around in to get in and out of Israel. Israel is fighting back and blowing up those places. All of the Hamas buildings, all of the Hamas headquarters, they're blowing it up. They're blowing up their tunnels. They're sending fire upon the wall. That's what your Bible says. So when you start talking about, I don't know, um, Israel being unjust and believing that they're the great Satan, well, you you don't want to curse what God has blessed, and you don't want to bless what God has cursed. Just ask Balaam and see how that goes for you, Okay. You don't want to be doing that. So if we're going to be a spiritual people, a Pentecostal people, a Bible-believing Christian people, I'm not saying you got to wrap yourself in a tallit and, and wave the, the Star of David around. I'm not saying that. I'm not commanding all of you men to grow out your sideburns and get a big beard and, 
and uh, chant the Shema day in and day out. No, we need to be Pentecostal. We need to be spiritual. Israel is not the church, and the church is not Israel. But don't think for one minute that God is not involved in this. Don't think for one minute that the Spirit has just uh, disappeared from, from Israel. It can't be. It cannot be that way. God swore an oath to Abraham. Okay? It says it in the New Testament and in so many places in the Old Testament. God swore an oath on himself. It's in the book of Hebrews to Abraham that he would make him a great nation. They would be a great people. They would have a great name. They would be as numerous as the sand on the seashore and as numerous as the stars of heaven. And yes, he would put them there in that land. Put them in that land. Now understand this. In heaven, everything is legal language. Everything works like a court system in heaven. Quite a bit different than ours here on the earth. But it's divine in heaven and they do everything by law. God swore on himself to Abraham that these things would happen, that his descendants would be great, that they would be numerous, there would be a great name, and they would have that land. He swore on himself. Back in that time in Abraham and the court of heaven, I still think think heaven does it to this day. They would swear upon things. Now, swearing does not mean using profanity. But it was like, let's say two men wanted to make an agreement one guy lended some money to another guy, you know, some gold, some silver. And the guy would say, I will pay you back. And if I don't pay you back, may you have these 40 acres of land right here. You know, he swore and put an oath there upon his land that if he didn't pay him back, he would get that. You know, it's kind of like the collateral aspect of it. Uh, sometimes uh, they would make agreements with each other to go to war or to not go to war. And they would pour oil and engrave some markings on a big stone right at wherever they made the agreement. And that stone would be a living stone of witness to the agreement made. Well, God is up there in heaven. What has he got got to offer Abraham uh, so that Abraham can trust God and not the Canaanite gods and goddesses? God swore upon himself that he would make him great and make his descendants great in that land. Swore upon himself, meaning... If God doesn't pull through and keep his word with Abraham, then God can no longer be God. He swore upon himself. He has to eliminate his eternal power and Godhead if he does not keep that covenant plan with Abraham. (laughs) So Satan saw God swear upon himself to Abraham, and that is why Satan fights Israel. If God was done with Israel, then why does Satan still fight with Israel? Why doesn't he still just fight with the church? But it seems like Satan fights Israel even harder than the church. That's what it looks like to me, by the way. By the way, I'm sipping on some uh, hibiscus lemonade. It's delicious. Very refreshing. God, uh, Israel, uh, The devil fights God's promises. He wants to make God a liar. And Satan, I think, knows or believes that if he can get this covenant broken with Abraham, through the sending of the enemies of Israel into the land and completely destroy and eliminate those people, then God, because of his legal agreement, is going to have to walk out of heaven. He's going to have to kick over his throne. And guess what? It'll create a vacuum for Satan to come in and then rule all of creation. That's what's going on here. It was what was going on in the book of Job, and it's going on with Israel to this day, and it's happening to the church. Satan is fighting 
the word of God, fighting the promises of God. And he's doing it right now through Iran. He's doing it through Hamas. He's going to try to do it through Hezbollah. He's going to try to do it through any nation that is deceived by these lies. It's an end time prophecy that the nations of the earth will gather together against Israel. But the Lord (laughs) is going to lift up a standard and the enemies of Israel will fall before the Lord God Almighty. Praise the Lord. Mm. Yeah, this is holy war. Fighting against the promises of God. I would align myself with God. One of the reasons why America is so blessed is because we've endorsed since since uh, 1948. Harry S. Truman, buried not too far from me, he endorsed the UN Council, the state of Israel and its existence. You know, it's it's quite fascinating history, and I'm trying not to be political about this. I'm trying to keep it spiritual and biblical. That's what we're doing. But even political, that politically, Israel is entitled to that land. Legally, they are. You know, it was a wasteland for a long time. You know, after uh, after uh, Israel was exiled, after they, they burnt Jerusalem to the ground, left no stone left upon another, the temple destroyed, and, and Rome began to conquest uh, throughout the land, and everybody had to run for the hills and run for the caves and be dispersed into the world all round about. You know, Israel just became a wasteland. Became a wasteland, and they... Uh, gave it uh, to to the ancient tribes of the Canaanites that still live there, their descendants, and brought in Babylonians and other uh, nations to come there. And that mixed multitude inhabited the land and became Palestine, Palestinian. Well, meanwhile, the Jews in the late 1800s throughout Eastern Europe and other places said it's time to go back to the Holy Land. And when they arrived back into that promised land, uh, it was a wasteland, a desert, nothing growing there. Read the writings of Mark Twain. He went and visited there. It was just nothing. And the Jews settled there, uh, no disputes. Their neighboring uh, Arab people said, sure, live here, no problem. Well, Israel, uh, Isaiah said the land would blossom, and they believed that. And they started using wisdom and how to operate in that land. And sure enough, boom, it blossomed. Well, the neighboring Palestinians became very envious of that. And now all of a sudden they wanted that land. Well, they fought them from from out of their, their they call them their kibbutzim that it's the little small communities that they created. They fought them and won. And so after winning, they took the spoils for themselves and the enemies kept fighting them and Israel would fight and they would win. Miraculously, they would just win, win, win. And after winning, you take the spoils of war. It's legal, you know. So more war, more fighting, more land won. More war, more fighting. It was like, it was just like David and his conquest of Israel. <laughs> And so, yeah, they fought in the 40s, gained a lot of land. They fought in the 60s, gained a lot of land. And and so people just sit back and think, that's so unjust. It is so unjust. Well, they didn't pick the fight. They started out by taking land that nobody wanted and made it, made it great. You know, that's what they do. They're just a blessed people. They know how to thrive in desert spaces. <laughs> they know how to thrive in places that nobody wants to live. That's how the blessing of the Lord works. So they're paying their tithe and God is blessing them. They're believing in the promises of the prophets and God is blessing them. They're aligning themselves with the promises, the oaths that God swore unto Abraham. And they work, let me tell you, because God's word cannot be broken. I don't care what Hamas does. I don't care what Hezbollah does. They are not going to break the word of God. No word shall pass away, Jesus said. 
Not even a jot or a tittle. Not even the punctuation. But God is raising up a nation here on this earth to fulfill his will and promise. That's right. That's the promise given to Israel. That land, their name, their people, and their descendants. And if Israel can fight for that and be passionate about that, be passionate about their Jerusalem, how much more so shall the apostolic church be proud of its name, the name given to us under heaven, whereby we must be saved, and that is the name of Jesus. That's our great name. Praise the Lord. He has promised us, amen, that we would preach this gospel into all the nations. Praise the Lord. Amen. Can we be believing God to be as numerous as the as the sand of the sea and as numerous as the stars of heaven? Can we have passion to see our church grow? Hallelujah. Amen. Can we believe in land? Yes, space here, acreage here on the earth to have a worship, a place of worship, but ultimately our destination is not of the earth, but it is in heaven. Our heavenly inheritance, can we be focused on that? Can we come against the enemy, the gates of hell, to get there? Can we believe in not an earthly Jerusalem, but a new Jerusalem in heaven? Praise the Lord. That's right. While Israel fights for their their Jerusalem, the church fights for its new Jerusalem. Yep, there's war. It's war. Legit war. And we got to be ready. Mm. I want to leave you with this. So, in the book of Revelation, John starts to see the unfolding, the seals breaking, and literally all hail breaks loose. The apocalypse begins, and what does he see? A white horse go out, and the rider goes and conquers. He then sees a red horse come out, and the rider takes peace from the earth and causes a great slaughter. He then sees a black horse, and the rider attacks all of the agriculture of the earth. He then sees a green horse, And that rider kills with the sword, with famine, and with pestilence, and the wild animals of the earth. That's how all of it begins. All of the troubles, all of the trials, the judgments. The tribulation begins with four horsemen. One is white, one is red, one is black, and one is green. Those are the four colors united, mixed together to accomplish great evil in the earth. Now, I don't know this prophetically. I just know what I see and I observe. You look at those four colors, where do you see them at? You know, I see them on the flags of a lot of militant Islamic nations. Like Afghanistan, Iraq, Jordan, Kuwait, Libya, Sudan, Syria, United Arab Emirates, and yes, Palestine, and yes, Hamas. White, red, black, and green. It's like they couldn't help themselves subconsciously. Those nations have submitted themselves to the evil to come to destroy the promises of God and trying to arise before the time to take control. Mm. So we've got to be prayerful. We've got to be vigilant. That's right. Stop drinking. Stop getting high. Delete your porn. Get out a Bible, get out a prayer journal, keep that close to your mouth. Stop sleeping in on Sundays, get up and get to church. Quit having an adulterous affair, start loving your wife. Stop fornicating and find a wife. Don't be deceived by the wokeness 
in this insanity that has swept through the world. But keep your focus on what is real and what is true and be ready for the coming of the Lord. Before the coming of the Lord, there is war. There will be rumors of war. It is time to fight. It is time to see the kingdom of God prevail. It is time to win and to win big. So uh, I got a text from a friend of mine here recently, and he said, Hey, did you know that Andy Stanley now endorses gay marriage? I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. What? He's bought into this? And, uh, well, we started uh, digging around in the news, and I found out that's not quite true. You know, that happens a lot. You you remember the game when you played as kids, uh, Telephone? One person writes out a statement, a sentence. Puts it on a piece of paper, folds it up in an envelope, puts it in the middle of the floor. And they then whisper that secret to somebody. And that person whispers the secret to the next person, the next person. It goes through like the whole classroom, like 20 to 30 people. And the last person says what everybody said. <laughs> and it and it's totally different than the original statement. Well, that, that happens in, in uh, the adult world. It happens through the news. It's just, I don't, I don't know where that... <laughs> Where that came from, that telephone thing, but it's real. It, you know, you can just have misinformation quickly, quickly happen. So you want to hear it from the horse's mouth. You want to, you know. So I, I've tried to always vet news that I hear that seems to be outrageous. And sure enough, Andy Stanley did not come out being gay, or I mean, Andy Stanley didn't come out endorsing gay marriage. No, but he says, and you can read this on uh, ChristianityToday.com. Other news outlets in the whole, I guess, uh, uh, Christian world abroad throughout North America and the world. Okay, Andy Stanley verbally affirms uh, the New Testament sexual ethic. He believes that that biblical marriage is between a man and a woman, a male and a female. And he emphatically states that homosexuality is a sin. That's what he's always believed. That's what he believes now. It's what he is saying he's going to believe in the future. But he uh, organized an event there at his big, huge church, North Point Community Church. He called it the Unconditional Conference. And what it was is an event for parents of LGBTQ plus children to discover ways for them to support their children. And kind of the slogan is they were wanting to find a quieter middle space on a very contentious topic. So that's what the organizers of this unconditional conference are saying. So uh, those are the facts. So now let's explain the way we feel <laughs> about this. So right off, I don't think Andy Stanley, I've read a few of his books. I, I can't say I've ever watched a sermon or listened to any of his stuff. I read a few of his books, mainly like youth ministry when I was a youth pastor. Really good, good leadership stuff. You know, there's something there. So I, my judgment is I don't think he's trying to create a gay church, okay? Uh, gay churches, they've, they've been around for a long time. Uh, I, I know of some oneness Pentecostal churches that have even sold their buildings to buyers uh, that were gay churches. And 
And hey, their money's as good as anybody's money. And they went and took that money and bought, you know, a nice newer church or built a newer church. Okay. So that, that happens. So I, I just, you know, the gay church, they, that's their, their, one of their major statements is God loves us as we are. You know, and they try to sexualize David and Jonathan and Jesus and Peter and all this stuff and say all these things, you know, love, love. What they do is they try to cover up their uh, false doctrine, their false theology in familiar language. Uh, that's what they do. But the people that know their God shall be powerful and do exploits. So I don't think Andy Stanley's trying to create a gay church. I don't think he's endorsing the gay church. It's He has no affiliations with the gay church. I mean, they're out there. They, they have the same Bible you and I have. They sing a lot of the same songs. They do a lot of the same methods that we do uh, as churchgoers uh, across the whole banner of Christianity. But they just believe that just as there was Adam and Eve, there can be Adam and Steve. That there is no differentiation at all between a a male and female monogamous marriage and a male-to-male monogamous marriage or a female-to-female. I think the Episcopals do this a lot. You know, they, you look at their, their I would say priests, but at their priestess or whatever, uh, those ladies get up there with glasses and really short hair. They, they look gay. They act gay. They talk gay. They want to be gay. They endorse gay. Up there in a rainbow flag, uh, preaching and touting that uh, God is trans and God is non-binary and and uh, it, all all kinds of lies out there. So that, that is the gay church. It's real. It's out there. So I don't think Andy Stanley's doing this. But what I think he is trying to do is to help parents in his church, within his church network, how to keep a relationship with their Christian, gay, transgendered kids. That's what he's trying to do. Keep relationships with parents and kids to, to have an open conversation of what, about what people are feeling and going through and all of that expressing feelings. Okay. Now I'm trying to be sensitive about this. That's what they want, right? They want us to be sensitive. Stop it. Stop it. They're sensitive and gay people are just sensitive. So I'm, I, uh, I I'm going to try to avoid telling jokes, no satire, none of that. This is a serious time, you know, the Israel Hamas war. I mean, this this is a serious time. There's no time really for jokes, but and th- and this is a serious thing too. Confused children, questioning children, and parents who thought they raised their kids right, thought they raised them better, and then they come home and 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 f- find out that their uh, son Mac wants to now be a, a Mary. Right? That's real. So. I, I first of all, I don't know why any uh, any reformer would be really worried. Don't they believe once saved, always saved? Like if your kid, like is seven years old at like a little kids camp, and they say, "Lord, I accept you in my heart," they're saved, and they can't do anything to be unsaved. Why are you worried about them going, uh, not going to heaven because they're gay? Does, doesn't eternal security save gay people? I, there, there, there's different opinions on that. I've asked some, you know, like staunch Baptist, real hardcore Reformed Baptist. I put this, uh, put forth a parable into them. Like, let's say a guy accepts Christ at eight years old. Is he saved? And they will emphatically say, yes. One prayer is salvation forever. And there's nothing you can do to be unsaved. And I said, well, what about when this kid's 18, he gets into gay porn and about 19, he's full blown, uh, uh, gay porn or full blown, uh, gay by porn. Uh, is he still eternally secure? And you know what they say? Oh, he was never saved. He was not really saved. <laughs> so, 
I'm like, so your obedience and your lifestyle has to do with salvation. And they're like, no. And they get into the Calvinism and the depravity of men and all that. It's just so confusing. You know, it's, it goes in circles. I don't get it all, whatever, you know, but so seriously, if they believe once saved, always saved, why are they even worried about this? But I think what a lot of uh, reformers are understanding is through this insanity that their their Christian schools that they created maybe didn't produce that great enough of a product for this generation. <laughs> I don't know. Their teachings, how to, how to keep the family focused, really was not good enough. But for some reason or whatever, the world got into the mind of churches like Andy Stanley's, and these kids are now all convinced that they're gay and convinced that they're not boys, but they're girls, and the girls are now convinced that they're boys. And the, and the parents who, who existed before the internet, like my generation, I, mean, I, I guess I'm classified technically as an older millennial, born in 1982, but I, I identify, I think we can do that nowadays, I identify as Generation X. So a lot of these Generation Xers and older millennials, these parents who remember life before the internet, remember what it was like to, uh, before you could access porn and all of this stuff. We now are waking up and realizing, oh my goodness, our kids have had battles, battles that we never had, and, de- and deception is greater than we had, and now all of a sudden they're realizing, whoa, maybe it does have something to do with how you live to be saved. So that's a good thing if that's doing that. So I wasn't at that conference, but I just, I'm trying to be objective and help people out there on this podcast, and I know we got a lot of parents that listen to this, and what I want to try to do is maybe offer you my own opinions on what you can do to have, I guess, your own unconditional conference or your own unconditional family. Should you love your child? Yes, always love your child. It's your job as a parent. Hey, you, you are to love your child. You are to let them know that you love them, and you should always let them know that you wanted them. That is your job. Okay, the pastor isn't always going to be there to do that. The pastor is not always going to be there to tell the child that they love them. The child is not always going to even be there for the pastor to have that opportunity. It's just the job of the parent. And the closer we get to the last days, the closer we're going to need to rely on parents. Uh, you look, look, Noah and the ark. Who got saved? Well, children of a man who preached. Uh, Lot, when the judgment came and fire and brimstone rained upon the city. Who did Lot go for? It? Well, his family, his kids. A lot of them didn't make it. His own wife didn't even make it. So parents, you've got to do what the Bible teaches in Proverbs. You train the child. Train up the child in the way they should go. Train, 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 train. Train, train, and teach, and teach, and teach. Instruct, instruct, instruct. Read wisdom. It's all about how to train up a kid, right? Over and over. My son, my son, forget not the law of your mother. Do not forsake the law of your father. You know, that stuff. We need to be training up our kids about heaven and hell. Okay? I said hell, and some of your toes curled in your shoe. I can feel it. Pastors, we need to start preaching about heaven and hell and heaven and hell issues. Yes, teach it to the kids. Let them know. Let them believe. Let them understand. Let them get a glimpse of it. With that, you need to teach them about sex. And yes, I said sex. It's one of those words I know that if I say it, I get your attention. Just like demons. If I say it, whoa, everybody tunes in. There, the, the, the downloads just went up because I said sex. Maybe if I say it a few more times, I'll get more downloads. Teach your kids about it. Don't let them discover it on TikTok. Don't let them discover it from some gay, from some gay teacher at their elementary school. 
Don't let them discover it from a man. Like that one freak they got up there in Canada with those uh, prosthetic bosoms. Walking in there with bigger udders than a Jersey cow. And those tight sweaters and those little tight skirts and and walking around those boys and teaching them how to how to do shop class, right? Don't let your kids learn about sexuality and gender or whatever from that. Let them learn it from their Bible. Train them up. I know you got to be sensitive about the age. You know you can't you can't t- teach a five year old or six year old about sex. Maybe eight or nine, ten. You've got to do it. You've got to do it. Train them in these things. This is prevention. You're going to not have to worry about all this unconditional conference stuff if you if you do what God tells us, and that is prevent the, the madness uh, uh, growing in their mind from the darkness of this world. Prevent it through teaching. Stay engaged in their life. Be the voice of truth. Make it and help your children believe it, that their greatest opportunities in their life are going to come through you, their parents, through their God, through their Bible, and through their church. You do these things. You're probably not going to have any worries. Train them up and stay engaged in their life. Perhaps you have been doing all of that. And sometimes this happens. You can be the perfect parent at the perfect church and the perfect everything. And still your child is deceived by the lies of this world. That's why there's a place for intervention. Big place for intervention, which is what Andy Stanley is trying to do, what a lot of youth pastors are trying to do because... Kids are just crying out for help, and they're just confused and want affirmation and acceptance and all of these things, and so they're running to a lot of this uh, LGBTQ stuff, right? So what I would uh, recommend you do is don't change your theology if you've got to do an inter- intervention. Uh, I've, I've heard, uh, I think it was Tom Fred Tenney, Bishop Tenney, he's, he called it the grandfather syndrome, and it was usually around elder preachers who preached against wedding rings for decades. You know, and, the, and that, and they're... I respect that. I've got friends that believe that. You know, I'm I'm not against that or whatever. You know, but a lot of preachers they would preach against wedding rings for for decades and and kick people off their platform and dismiss people over wedding rings. But then all of a sudden their granddaughter says, "Papa, I want a wedding ring," and then all of a sudden they're like, "Well, <laughs> uh, granddaughter, well Jesus gave the prodigal son a ring, so I'm going to give you a ring." <laughs> you know, and they do the grandfather syndrome. And they, and they backpedal and, and lighten up on some of these laws. And then the rest of the church are like, what? You mean to tell me we could have had rings all up? Oh, my, you know. So And then there's a blow up. You know, that happened in a real conservative church. Maybe or maybe not from California. <laughs> maybe or maybe not built upon a rock. And the, the old bishop was against uh, movies and TV and all of that. And even video cameras, camcorders wouldn't allow them. But the daughter or somebody in the family got married and they set up a few camcorders and, and the church board flipped out on him. So he had to take him down. <laughs> so, okay. Um, so don't be like that. Don't all of a sudden your kid's gay and you're like, oh, man, well, maybe gay is okay. How would God, why would God allow this if it wasn't right? Or your daughter wants to be a man. She has a perfectly healthy body, but wants to start uh, taking away what God gave a woman off of herself and, and try to become a man. So don't all of a sudden think, well, that's okay. It's okay now for a woman to wear that which pertains to a man and and cut up and mutilate her body and we'll set up GoFundMes to help people, uh, help her uh, to become a, um, I don't know, be comfortable with how she looks up top, right? Don't change it, okay? 
But then again, you don't need to hate your kids. Talk to your kids. You know, don't kick them out of your house just yet. They're 13 or 14. What are they going to do? Keep them at home. Don't hate them. Love them. Continue to teach them. Continue to instruct them. As long as they're at their house, they got to obey the rules, go to church, and, and live for God. And help them to see that, the, help correct them in, in their error. You know, kids, teenagers, uh, you know, the cognitive development is not completely there yet. You know, they may think they're gay. They're not. What they're really crying out for is possibly a, a relationship with their parents. <laughs> Want to know their parents that love them and accept them and and get them involved in youth group stuff. I, you know, this happens a lot. These parents, they don't bring their kids to youth group and all of a sudden their parents are, their kids are gay and they're like all of a sudden, oh, we got to go to youth group now. You focus on prevention, you won't have to do intervention, okay? That just, that, that happens. So sometimes a lot of, there's a lot of cases here and there, but um, I'll just say this. If your children depart and go into this world, don't blame yourself. Don't, don't blame anybody. Just trust God and do spiritual warfare. And also just trust that and hope that this world will be cruel to them so they can wake up and realize, just like the prodigal son, that the best opportunities in their life were at their father's house. And sure enough, maybe your gay son will come home. Maybe your lesbian daughter will come home. Maybe your bisexual this will repent. Maybe your trans confused will do this. Okay? Whatever it may be, we want to dwell in peace. Okay? I trust that the way I'm talking to you here, you got to understand I would never talk like this in the, in the face of a gay person. I would never talk like this in the face of a transgender. I would be understanding. I would listen to how they feel. And if they're open, I'll explain what I believe. And uh, I, I'm speaking for myself, and I'm speaking for Pentecostal people who may be going through this in their family. Okay? So uh, if you want to come to our church, you can come. Anybody who comes in peace can come. That's the way your church should be. You better believe that there is a gay kid out there coming into the church to try to seduce a kid to swing your way, uh, you don't come in peace. You're out. I am Justin C. Gleason. God bless you. I speak peace unto you in Jesus' name.